So I'm not going to lie. This podcast, this specific episode, it's making me a little nervous. It's making me scared. I felt like I could walk into this room and swagger like I was God's own messenger, but uh, here we are. Oh, you don't know the song, do you? <laughs> is this uh, is this from the album? No, it's it's from uh, it's from the next album actually, but it's a uh, it, it completely encapsulates my feelings. I'm I'm nervous about doing an episode on Toad the Wet Sprocket. Well, this is what happens when a fanboy takes the lead <laughs> and starts quoting things that only people who know deep cuts this on the next from album. Heaven, it's the first song on the album Dulcinea. Everyone should know this. Anyone who's a fan would know that. Yeah. Well, good. Hopefully they're listening because I had no idea what you're talking about. But uh, <laughs> You've listened to the album. You said you I, liked the song. Yeah, I did. I listened to it today, but totally <laughs> guess I didn't make the impact on it. On I guess me. not, yeah. There are people who are bigger fans of this next album than they are of this one that we're featuring today. Fear. Yeah. I'm a Fear fan. Yeah. Fear, Fear, is, Fear is a fantastic album. Fear uh, by Toad the Wet Sprocket was their big breakout commercial success. And from that, they that's where they gained much of their popularity and grabbed their fan base. But the song that we're looking at specifically is actually the first song from, uh, from the album, uh, uh, Walk on the Ocean. Walk on the ocean Interestingly, I think it's the fourth single. Fourth single, yes. Yeah, and so bizarre. Their first one is Is It For Me? That was yes. I don't even get why they chose that. There wasn't even a video for it. No, there was. Oh, was there? I yeah, can find so, it on the YouTube. So I'm, I'm, I'm such a fanboy. Boy, here we that go. When I was in university, I bought a cassette called Seven Songs Seldom Seen, and it was uh, to that date the seven Toad the Wet Sprocket videos from the first three albums. Wow, okay. Yeah. How was the video? I can't remember it because I lost the I lost the uh, lost the VHS. So it opens with so the first single is "Is It For Me," which is track two on the album. Yep. And then they bizarrely choose "Hold Her Down" as a second. No, for the third. That was the third. Yep. Well, I'm all. All I, all I want is the uh, is the uh, is the second single. Oh, really? And that's the big one. That was the their highest charting song from the album. The third single, "Hold Her Down," which is which is a tough one. Um, it's calling out toxic masculinity. Yeah. And it's but and, and rape culture. Rape culture. But the way they wrote it was something that someone in their early twenties or late teens might write where they're not as sensitive to the topic. And so they sing from the perspective of a toxic male. Yeah. It, it's a I liked the song when I was younger, but listening to it now, I'm like, ah, I don't know. Well it's a it's a bit of a bit of a tough one to, yeah. to listen to. But either way. Yeah, either way. That brings us to the fourth single. To the fourth single and the song that we want to talk about tonight, which is Walk on the Ocean. Now, this was the the song that I was really introduced to Toad the Wet Sprocket by. It was, uh, I had heard um, All I Want, but when this song came out, there is something that just, about it just resonated with me. And when I heard the song and I was just like, okay, 
this is uh, this is the band I want to listen to. This is the album that I want. I want to uh, I want to pick this up and I want to start following this band. Yeah, and you kind of laid claim to Toad the Wet Sprocket as your band. Grade twelve, I think this was yeah, grade, grade 11. eleven. Grade eleven. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, because no one else would, right? So yeah. I was like, uh, you know, I wanted to be a little bit alternative and different. So that this was uh, this was my 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 stake here. <laughs> yeah. So pressure's on, Frank. Toad the Wet Sprocket is listening, and they're wondering how much you really love them. Yeah, yeah. So this is a this is why this podcast is making me nervous. It's making me scared. Yeah. Um, Please don't quote any more obscure. <laughs> do, you, lyrics. do you want some more deep tracks? No, I can no, I can go no, deeper if you no, want. No one wants this. <laughs> so um, we can, should probably jump into the band. Also, we should probably uh, say this is Bill and Frank's Guilt Free Pleasures. And Thank th- you for joining us. Yeah, and this is a this is a song, and this is a band, which, in my mind, has been much maligned, mm-hmm. and I think mostly based on uh, based on their name. I was surprised at how many people disliked the band when I told people we were going to do this episode. Yeah, those people are wrong. Yeah, other than this is why we're doing the podcast. But I, I wish I just assumed everyone really liked the band, and it turns out uh, not true. Yeah, yeah, but. This is exactly why we need to be talking about it. I like to state that it's taken us about a year to get to this song or get to this band just because I want to try and do a good job of it. I felt like I had to uh, um, find myself as a as a podcaster and just feel comfortable in the seat here to be able to talk about the song and do it the justice that I think that it deserves. And pressure's on because we're going to see Toad the Wet Sprocket tomorrow night. Oh, I know. I'm so pumped. I've never actually seen them before, but you have. I have. So the the funny part is Frank was the big fan, but I was the one who saw Toad the Wet Sprocket. Yeah. And then by the time I was going to concerts and everything, they broke up shortly thereafter. So I'm like, oh, man, oh, there, there's a story about that. We'll, we'll get into it a bit later. But um. Yeah, so this is uh, Total Wet Sprocket's third album. Right. Uh, the first two, uh, Bread and Circus and Pale, were recorded independently. And while they were recording Pale, Columbia Records came to them and threw a bunch of cash at them uh, to, to sign with them, which obviously they did. Yeah. And then they, Columbia then released Bread and Circus and Pale on, on their label, but they didn't do any... Uh, they didn't remaster or do anything. They just took those recordings and took them and released them as is. That was actually one of the negotiating points that uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket had when they signed with Columbia. Do you know, I think Sony offered them a million dollar advance to sign with them. Yeah. And they wisely said they wouldn't because they knew they'd have to pay it back and they didn't think they'd sell enough yeah. albums. There was a bidding war over them yeah. in the early 90s. Yeah. So, But the, a lot of the hatred, I think, comes from, comes from the name which was taken from a Monty Python skit. But it wasn't on any of their shows. It was like a, on a, a radio show. Yeah. It was on a record they would listen to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they thought it was a little bit ridiculous that no one would actually name their band that. And they, they were signed up for a battle of the bands, but they didn't have a name. So they they just picked this. And by the time, you know, after after the battle of the bands and, and all of that, they're just like, well, we might as well stick with it, kind of a thing. Um, spoiler alert: they uh, they did not win that battle of the bands. I don't know who did, but uh, um, I doubt that they've gone on to have the same success as as Toad the Wet Sprocket. Carly Rae Jepsen never won Canadian Idol. No, exactly. She came third, right? So that was a 
um, I jumped onto that really quickly. Yeah, you did. <laughs> did yeah. I? Yeah. <laughs> so, so Walk on the Ocean was the single Columbia apparently demanded of them after Hold Her Down was released. At least that was one thing I had read that Columbia said, no, 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 we're picking the next single. Mm-hmm. And to the credit of these corporate um, fat cats. Big wigs? Big wigs. Yeah. They picked the right tune. Yeah. This, to me, this... I mean, I love all I want. I, I I struggled to figure out which one I liked more, but this song seems such a natural choice to be a single. I was shocked that it was like an afterthought. Yeah, it seems, it, and it's their their fourth single on the yeah. album, right? But this is the song that opens the album. Yeah, 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 and and I think it, I think it's a fantastic open to the album, and it just it gives you all the feels of the band. Yeah. It's a multi multi instrumental song like there's there's not just the the four piece of of the band there's uh cellos and violins and um it definitely sounds like an accordion but it yeah. accordion doesn't show on on the liner notes. liner notes at all yeah. but uh i'm gonna say that there was an accordion they just neglected to give him credit i don't know <laughs> yeah unless they programmed a fantastic accordion into their keyboard yeah yeah but yeah yeah that could have been the case right so this song is so bold in how it begins because it doesn't have like an intro, an instrumental intro. Yeah. It just starts with the voice, mm-hmm. which I found fascinating because listening to radio in the 90s, you'd have some DJ talking over a song. But how do you put this song on? You'd have to allow the entire song to play. Yeah. And it, the way, at least on the album, it opens with vocals and it ends just on a cold vocal. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Not yeah. on the single version. Though. No, not on the single. It sort of stretches out at the end. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's right there. Glenn Phillips right in your face. And want to point out how young they were when this when this album came out. So when they joined as a band... Glenn Phillips, the lead singer, was 15. All the other guys, Randy Gus, who's the drummer, uh, Dean Dinning or Dining, Dinning? I don't, I... Dinning, I, I Dinning, yeah. I sh- I, you should know because you're I'm, a super fan. I'm a little embarrassed. Uh, he, the, the, the bass player was 19, and um, Todd Nichols, the guitarist, were, were 19, and they knew each other through school, yeah. through, a, through a drama program, right? Yeah. All right, they're coming out of Santa Barbara, which explains... Why walking on the ocean would be an easy thing to talk about. Yeah. For us to talk about walking on the ocean is it's a long drive to Chris Newkirk's house, then to go to his parents' vacation home to get to the ocean. Yeah. And it's the Atlantic and it's it's not yeah. it's poetic. And it yeah, it's yeah, Jersey doesn't have the same uh, same feel as California, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so when this album came out in ninety one, yeah. Glenn Phillips would have been twenty one years old. And the other guys were, were 26, right? Right. So, or no, sorry, 25. Right. Yeah, yeah. So they had written, I guess, I'm guessing Todd Nichols, from what I gather, mm-hmm. wrote the music. We're yeah. focused mostly from him. Yeah. But Glenn Phillips had to have a vocal. Yeah. And so, as the story goes, this is his guide vocal that he just put in. He didn't want to just do humming or ba da do da da do He actually put in words. Yeah. But he couldn't, f- uh, he couldn't ever find better words. Or any other words. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right, Frank? Yeah. As a super fan? Yeah. So he he kind of wrote it from... Basically, he, he wrote what he saw. Like, he and his wife, um, again, married super young at 19. Yeah. Um, he and his wife went to the beach, and he just saw a bunch of old hippies on the beach, and he started, uh, like, writing about what he saw at the beach that day, and and 
that's what the song is about. He said, like, he said in interviews, like, I've tried to give it meaning. I've tried to make it about something more, but it's the least conscious song that he's ever written. It's just like, that's just kind of what happened. It's got to be tough when you're a lyricist for a band and you work so hard to make a song. Yeah. And you're probably your most memorable song is the one that you put the least thought into the lyrics, right? So yeah. that's it. But he compared it often to, he in interviews, he'd often compare it to Nirvana and said that Nirvana would have lyrics. They don't necessarily make a lot of sense, but they get you at your kind of core emotion yeah. and they make this meaning. And so I would argue, as we work through the lyrics of this song, that it mm-hmm. does strike all these sort of chords with you inside, even though when you read them over to logically figure out what it, it's it's not something you can logically figure out which is yeah. what i love about this yeah song. yeah and and what's been great is uh reading a lot of comments of people speculating on what the song is about and what it means and and also knowing that well it doesn't really mean anything and that that's kind of a beautiful thing about the song is it means something there's not a specific meaning behind it so it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people right yeah. it can it can uh, sort of suit your needs Whatever you need the song to to mean, that's what it means to you, and that's what the song means, right? All right, well, let's work through it. Let's see what needs we have and (laughs) if it suits it today. So, like you said, it it starts off just vocals. Well, I mean, the the band comes in right uh, right on, or like a half beat behind or or something. I don't entirely understand or, or, or... the bass comes for a walk yeah, alongside yeah. of him on the beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dean's there. Yeah, Dean. Is that Dean? Yeah, Dean's the Dean's the bassist. Yeah. Oh, maybe Dean. I want Dean to have written it, but it says Todd Nichols on Spotify. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it starts. Uh, we spotted the ocean at the head of the trail. Where are we going? So far away. And somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better, everything's safe. We spotted the ocean. Okay, so so what what do those lyrics mean for you? Okay, I'll tell you what it means for me. Immediately, it had me thinking about the study I read, and in the study, it was people often write about how important it is to go to the country to get their rest, to get their peace, to get their happiness. Mm-hmm. But according to this like happiness quotient, to some of this big study, people in the city are generally happier than people who live in rural areas. So then that surprised me when i read it yeah but i guess it's like people in the city are happier because they get to drive out to the country to enjoy it and then drive back so they can go see movies and yeah go to coffee shops and all that thing now i looked further though if you live on the coast you are happier than people who live on the city oh so coast happier than city city happier than the country yeah now so i guess the country can't be on the coast does that work? Cities dot the landscape and then you have a coast? Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't have a city. Well, you can have a city right on the coast, right? right. But uh, maybe it's that like small strip of the city yeah. that's like just, you know, a bunch of 
beach-dwelling hippies. Yeah, or super rich people. Or super rich people. It's amazing. Super rich people are way happier yeah. than super poor. <laughs> I guess they were wrong in that those studies they keep telling me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, you have this notion that they spotted the ocean at the head. Of, so they're on a trail and the ocean shows up. And he says they're so far away from wherever they were going, they, wherever they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And then the sense that this is a place where everything's better and everything's safe. Yeah. I mean, there is something about the ocean to me. When I, when I just see a body of water, I'm calmer. Yeah. Even the Welland Canal, <laughs> you know, that's, that runs through Niagara. Yeah. Is something calming to me. I get to go there. If I could, if I can get to the water, if I can get to, we're, we're by two great lakes. We're, but often we go to Lake Ontario. If I go to Lake Ontario, I feel much more at peace than I would anywhere else. Well, there's, there's a simplicity about being like, and I, I, I hate myself for saying this, but uh, that whole communing with nature and, right. and uh, being like in a simple sort of just calm place. And it just makes you feel like better, makes you feel safe, right? Like it's, yeah. it's just a, a nice feeling. That's, that's why people go to cottages. They go to the lake, right? Like yeah. that's, that's just to relax and, and, uh, and, and feel better about yourself. Right. I mean, not the drive up there, because that's just hell. <laughs> and the drive back is even worse, I think, because you know what you're coming home to. That's be one of those other songs in Dulcinea. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. The chorus, though, is is the thing that just does not make sense. And he's yeah. brought this up in recent interviews where he said, listen, I have no idea yeah. what it means. It means absolutely nothing. So, walk on the ocean, step on the stones... Flesh becomes water, wood becomes bone. To, to me, it, it can make sense enough that if you're walking yeah. on stones on the wa- like on the water, that it looks like you're walking on the ocean. And then um, the idea that flesh becomes water is like when your your body kind of goes into the ocean, you kind of blend with it. Yeah. And then wood becomes bone. Well, I just have to take a stretch and say, "Hey, look, it's a piece of wood that looks like bone." Yeah. <laughs> The the one uh, the one comment that I that I read on that was um, they thought that the song is about a, a pending sea voyage and wood becomes bone is it refers to the ship that they're on becoming a living thing. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, there was also uh, a comment that I read that uh, insisted the song was about the Lewis and Clark expedition. Yeah. Which is, uh, I think, even more ridiculous than that. I'm sure those people have some various other conspiracy theories they could post, yeah. I'm sure. I think it was one of Lewis and Clark's, like, you know, great, great, great grandniece or something like that. It's just like, they're still relevant. They, yeah, yeah. they still play. Yeah. Walk on the ocean. So the next verse, they say half an hour later. So this is interesting to me because it's like, okay, so they got to the ocean. Then half an hour later, we packed up our things. We said we'd send letters and all of those little things. They knew we were lying. They smiled just the same. And it seemed they'd already forgotten we came. Well, wait, wow, I'm reading the lyrics. First time I've seen this. I thought the lyric was, and it seemed that already we'd forgotten we came. But that's not what it says at all. It's like the people there already forgot Mm -hmm. that they had been there. 
Wow, that just changes the whole song for me. Sorry, what? What? what how do? How do you read it? Because the lyric I have, it seems that they'd already forgotten weed came. Yeah. So the people yeah. who they're talking to, yeah. by the time they're saying that they're leaving, yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah, they, they oh yeah, forgot. And, and, and the people like the the dirty hippies that he oh, was uh, yeah. that he saw on, on the beach that day. Wow, that makes total sense. Yeah. And my version was... Because they're probably doing their hippie drugs. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Could be. I don't know what hippie... Yeah, but it's in the early 90s. They're still around, right? Yeah, yeah. So and Most of them had corporate jobs. Yeah, but, well, yeah, they, yeah. From hippie to yuppie, except on vacation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was that they promised they'd send letters to the people they met. Yeah. But the people knew that they were lying. Yeah. Because... Um, Oh, wait, that is in there, isn't it? They knew we were lying. But they smiled just the same, yeah. It seemed that already we'd... F- I thought it seemed that that they, the people who were leaving had already forgotten that they are at the ocean. Oh, okay. But that makes no sense. I admit, totally misread it. Yeah. I, yeah. This is tough to do on air here. Yeah. <laughs> admit that I'm wrong. Admit that you're wrong and also read the lyrics for the very first time. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I was so confident in them. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, you've heard the song like a thousand times. Totally. Sure. Just, well, and it's just one little word that, that's different, right? Yeah, than, but that changes 30 remember. years of meaning for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a bummer. Half an hour later, we packed up our things, said we'd send letters, I've always liked that verse, though, and, and you know, we'll we'll have to ask uh, um, Glenn when when we meet him, like what what he meant by this. Necess- uh, even though he, it means nothing, right? It just uh, say what you see. But uh, I've always liked it because it, it's you know when you go to like a party or or more specifically, uh, when I went away to university, yeah, you're in this small area because I lived in residence. Uh, for the first year, and you meet all sorts of other people who are coming from from small towns and everything, and they they meet at residence, they meet at university, and you're going to be best friends forever because you you automatically connect with them because you have so much in common. Because yeah. we're at university and we're all terrified. Yeah. And but then like afterwards, I'm barely friends with with the people that I met at university, right? Like, it seems that we've already forgotten that we were there, that we were together. But while we were there in that moment, it was the most important thing. We were the most important people to each other, right? Well, I had such the opposite experience. Oh, yeah? I hated, you hated residents. (laughs) They didn't like me. They didn't didn't get me. I remember that the one time I came with a smile on my face when I showed up and I said, hey, guys, I just went and saw Phil Collins. It was as if there was a record playing. The needle would have stopped. <laughs> and they all stared at me. I said, all right, anyways, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went and did my math in my room while they puked and got sick and did their... Did their hippie drugs? Hippie drugs. Yeah. I hated you. I just residence. Well, it just never worked out for yeah. me. See, when I was at residence, they accepted... I told the wet sprocket. I introduced a, a bunch of people to it. Like, yeah. I mean, to my face, they said that they liked it. Uh, they probably w- would listen to it now and say that they don't. But you uh, knew they were lying. But yeah. you smiled. Just I the smiled same. just the same. Yeah, 
It's very good. So go right back to the song, and our you, you and I have again different <laughs> experiences. Yeah. The uh, I love this last verse, where where it just kind of and the music kind of brings you to this too because it yeah. builds up. Yeah, yeah. Back at the homestead where the air makes you choke, people don't know you, and trust is a joke. And then suddenly there's this little shift. Don't even have pictures, just memories to hold. Grow sweeter each season as we slowly grow old. And and you're absolutely right. The way the music works with those yeah. uh, with those um, lyrics, because uh, when people don't know you and trust is a joke, Glenn Phillips is singing that more aggressively. Yeah. Right. And then there's a there's a shift between between that and don't even have because he sweetens up again. And it, he slows the tempo down right at the yeah. last uh, as we slowly grow old. And he kind of draws that out. And I just, the way it works musically and lyrically, it just, it's just beautiful, I find. Because there's this, it's bittersweet. Yeah. It's like he uses the word sweet. Yes. That the memories grow sweeter and they're getting older. But it doesn't, uh, when I was younger, I thought it was a sad ending. But then I realized it's like they don't have pictures, but the memories are there and they get sweeter yep. so this experience whatever happened at the ocean yeah this verse makes sense yes he's back home and there's all these things that this isn't a good life but you have this experience that you can go back to now back at the homestead where the air makes you choke and people don't know you trust is a joke don't If you think about it in our lives, there are places, and I think of vacations. This had me thinking about vacations where you go to a place for a week, maybe, if you're lucky enough to get get away and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's enough fuel to kind of get you through other things, and your memories come back to it. You build those things. Yeah, yeah. And I should take the family to a cottage. To a cottage. Yeah, I gotta... I know I don't have money, but, you know, memories grow sweeter. Yeah, as you slowly grow old. What does debt do? Yeah. (laughs) It accumulates. Oh, no, right. Sorry. Yeah, okay. So what what do you think, what do you think his memories are on the beach? If he, if he's on the beach with with these hippies and and i'm saying hippies because that's what yeah glenn it's a vacation spot right yeah there. yeah and he, he said like yeah there's just a bunch of hippies on the beach and we're hanging out and everything i'm thinking hacky sack and devil sticks wow okay i didn't think that at all i was just thinking <laughs> like my experience at the beach is sit there and just listen to the ocean but when I saw Toad the Wet Sprocket in concert, the other people I was with all went and played hacky sack while Toad the Wet Sprocket was playing. See, they were a part of the experience without even being yeah. part of the experience. Yeah, but I was there for it. Yeah. yeah. We also saw the Proclaimers that day, but yeah. that's a different episode. Sorry, I'm going to sidebar here a bit. But when I bought this CD, I bought it with, with gift certificates I got for Christmas to Sam the Record Man. Yeah. And I remember specifically... Because I bought this CD, The Proclaimer, Sunshine on Leith, and, wow. and then a tape of Peter Cetera, World Falling Down. Yeah, and that, you and I connected as friends over that album. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
But I always remember buying albums from uh, like Sam's or, or Sunrise Records or, or wherever I got uh, got albums from. And always going up, I was always very, very nervous. Yeah. Because these are university kids, college kids working the tills oh, at yeah. these. And who am I? Like, I'm buying my Michael Bolton or Mariah Carey CDs. And I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed, but I remember strutting up with Toad the Wet Sprocket in hand. And it didn't matter that I had the Proclaimers and Peter Cetera also. Eh. But because I had Toad the Wet Sprocket there, I this was the first album that I bought with confidence. Because this is an alt-rock band that has a, a number of amazing songs. And just knowing that, okay, okay I feel like I'm, I'm a part of the scene now. So interesting, because our podcast often deals with songs that are pariahs. Yeah. Kind of. We we straight a bit. Yeah. And so this song made us cool to like, the band made us cool, but there were enough that started to despise it, that there is this sort of um, give and take here with whether or not this is accepted in the wider culture. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and again, I think the, uh, the band's name hasn't necessarily helped them in, in our in our circles, anyways, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. The just the, the the picture of being by the ocean is so calming. If yeah. this song had different lyrics, I don't know how I could handle it. This, the lyrics work. He was right to throw these in, even though yes. he has no idea what he was talking about. Yeah, exactly. But we do. Yeah, yeah. We know what they mean to us. It's about the Lewis and Clark expedition, right? <laughs> yeah. Walk on the ocean. What's your favorite part of the song? Okay. I got a couple things written down here. The bass coming in right at the beginning. Yeah. The, like, it feels like a bass forward track to me, at least at the beginning. And I love the sound of it. Just the, the way the music would come in. Mm-hmm. We spotted the ocean. That is the thing that draws me in the most, is just the, the music, the first the bass, and then just hearing the mandolin, violin, the cello, accordion, all that that sort of thing made it feel more than just an alt-rock song. Yeah. And that was really what got me the most. And then the lyrics I talked about earlier, but really, it's the sound that gets me. Yeah, it, it's a very, very full song, right? And and I, I agree with you. The There's that sort of musical bridge where... You have all those non-typical instruments coming in all at, all at the same time, like you said, the the, the cello, the uh, the mandolin, the the um, accordion, or the the programmed uh, keyboard or, or whatever it is, and it all happens at once, and it it kind of has a swelling. It, it feels like the ocean, right? Yeah, it has this w- wave feel to it. Good. So it it just sort of like stylistically really works with the song and I, I i always love that part that's great analysis that's what you get when you're over 50 episodes in frank you yeah exactly right... this is i'm really starting to hit my stride here yeah you've done toe the wet sprocket well here yeah i hope so i hope so
what season is this song the best to listen to it? Oh, this is a fall song. Yeah, okay. This is a fall song. I had it as a late summer. Okay. Okay, but that's... We're close, but yeah. I had this as like an end of vacation type of song. Yeah, 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 But yeah. again, that might be my misreading of the lyrics where I was thinking about people <laughs> I promised to write to yeah. and I never did because I forgot. So why fall? Why fall? Yeah. When I listen to it, I feel like I should be wearing a sweater. Yeah, that's good. Does that make sense? Yep. That's it. And it does have that cool feel, but without yeah. it being um, not quite winter. Yeah. Yeah. It also feels mature, right? Yeah. I feel like I should be mature and and summer's not a mature season. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Is this is this a date song? Would this song play during a date? What part of the date would it play? I think it would be a, a post-dinner song. Well, what where are you going on this date? Is this a date now that we're in our 40s? Are these dates where you have someone over for dinner or are you going out to take someone to dinner? Are you driving them? What's the dating world like there, Frank? Oh, it's terrible is what it's like. <laughs> but uh I, I think I think it's a I think it's a second date song. Okay. I think it's uh I think it's post dinner. Yep. Walking barefoot on the beach. Oh. I, I'm being very literal here, but but you hear it in the background. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So you, well you'll be carrying your boombox yes. with oh, the yeah. tape. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have John Cusack there just yeah. to, just in case holding yeah. the boombox up. Yeah. All right, so did you come up with a mixtape for this? Yeah, so so my mixtape, um, I I oscillated between song universe and, and mixtape, but I decided to uh, focus on the mixtape. So my mixtape is songs with bodies of water. Okay. So how about you? Did you come with a mixtape or? Oh yeah, the... yeah. I okay. Do. Yeah. All right. I'm starting. I'm guessing. Yep. Okay. The river. P. J. Harvey. Okay, uh, it's it's a soft, sweet song, so I, yeah. I think it sort of fits in with the with with this. Um, it's actually a little bit depressing too, but you know, whatever. Bridge over troubled water, uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Um, Across the river, Bruce Hornsby and the range. Oh, that's a good song. Yeah, yeah. Something in the water, Brooke Frazier. Oh, that's a good song too. <laughs> the sea, Corinne Bailey Ray. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a newer one, but yep. uh, I, I think it plays well. Then I had two by the water boys. This is the sea. Yeah. Or Fisherman's Blues. Okay. Fisherman's Blues is a fantastic oh, song. Oh yeah. I think I think it really fits in stylistically with this song as well. Yeah, that's it does because it has that with with the sort of um those other instruments yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah. What exactly. kind of feel is that? Like it's not folksy. It it's, is a bit folksy. Is it yeah. folksy? Okay. Yeah. Folksy, rootsy. And that's yeah. that's the other thing. Like Toad the Wet Sprocket has always been called like an alt rock band, but they're also like a folk rock band and a like a jangle pop band. A lot of influences coming from REM and uh, and yeah. Big Star, that kind of that kind of a thing. I definitely hear that automatic for the people like night swimming or find yes. the river vibe going yeah. on too. Even though that comes out the exact same time, so yeah. they're yeah definitely. Yeah. I yeah. I, th- I think they were drawing from the same sort of well there. Right, right. right. If we can keep with the water references here, <laughs> that's pretty good. But uh, but yeah, and then to finish the uh, the mixtape, waterfalls TLC. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. As always, a little curveball thrown in yeah, there. That's yeah, good. Yeah. So my mixtape was in um, honor of sort of a WhatsApp thread that I was in. Okay. Where I talked about the concert we're going to tomorrow with yep. some friends of mine. So I said... Wait, you have friends that aren't me? 
Yeah. <laughs> so I said I was going to see Toad the Wet Sprocket, Gin Blossoms, and Bare Naked Ladies. And uh, turns out I'm probably the only one who wants to see them out of this group of people. Yeah. Yeah, there were some real sharp comments put in there. I don't appreciate that. Yeah. And then our friend Sean wrote, Toad the Wet Sprocket hurts me deep inside. I just tried listening to it again. I totally forgot about their completely... Brace yourself, Frank. Completely generic sound. And then he says, Toad sounds as though it was created by an algorithm to encapsulate early 90s Canadian pop rock. And that's where our friend Nathan jumps in and said, Hey, they're not even a Canadian band. And Sean said, That doesn't matter. This is a very terrible mixtape so far. This is just, this is a mixtape of insults. It, well, this isn't, this is what inspired the mixtape. Oh, okay. So, Sean, if you're listening, and you probably turned it off because you hate Toad the Wet Sprocket. Yeah, probably. But this one's for you. So, my mixtape is from early 90s bands that I think Toad the Wet Sprocket would fit in. To me, Toad the Wet Sprockets, especially when they went folksy rootsy, would fit in really well with that early 90s can folk rock scene. Yeah. I think Sean was thinking differently, but uh, Sean, maybe you can change your mind here. So here's my mixtape. Five Days in May by Blue Rodeo, because it's a bass forward song. Yeah. Beautiful song. Sky Diggers, I Will Give You Everything. Oh, yes, please. Okay. I Am Here by The Grapes of Wrath. In the Meantime by Waltons. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then finally, Sadness Grows, Spirit of the West. So we are going to be putting up this mixtape up on Spotify. So for those of you listening who haven't heard of these songs, because I was looking at Spotify and the poor Waltons have hardly any listens. Oh, really? Oh, Oh, man. These songs meant so much to me when I was in grade 10. Yeah. So I'm going to put up our mixtape here. So both Frank's and mine, and we're just going to put it together. But you can hear these songs and... What can I say? I'm really impressed with my choices. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a that's a great mixtape. I mean, seventeen year old Frank would would buy that in a heartbeat. I also want to just say, I feel Toto Sprocket has been unfairly grouped together with certain bands. Now, I like the Jim Blossoms, but Toto Sprocket is often seen as kind of akin to Jim Blossoms, kind of like their their younger brother. Almost, yeah, right? sort of like the because the, there's this vocal thing going on, mm-hmm. and I like Jim Blossoms. Yeah, but Toto Sprocket has a bit more going on, and then Counting Crows was also put together, yes. and I also feel Toto Sprocket had more interesting things going on. Yes, just bad luck in terms of sales. A lot of their big songs ended up being on soundtracks yeah. or on well, they TV had, shows. They were on a ton of soundtracks in the early mid-90s. They were uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the the movie, uh, Empire Records, so I murdered an axe murder, murderer. Uh, Friends, yeah, on that, that soundtrack. And there were always big songs on, on those albums or on those soundtracks yeah. too. And I feel like they ended up being put together as a sort of corporate rock, which they weren't. Yeah. And even the next album, Coil. Had yeah. some really good songs. Yeah. And so they're a band that has a great greatest hits collection. Yes. I might even Stone Temple Pilots is like that too. Yeah. But Toad even has more going for it. The last album they did starting now oh, is incredible. Fantastic. Yeah. So they still have a huge fan base that still keeps them going, or rather a huge, not a huge fan base, but a dedicated fan base. Do you think that Michael McDonald will sing with them? 
uh, at the concert tomorrow? Not a on, chance. Because he's on the album? <laughs> no. Do you think they'll call me up to do the Michael McDonald part? We, You might get kicked out again, like we got kicked out of the Hall & Oates mosh pit. Yeah, that's so right. We'll see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So I remember when, when I was in university and I was going uh, into second year, and this is a, that summer coil had come out and till the wet sprocket played, I think they played on like a rooftop. I think it may have been at CFNY. Uh, they played a concert and, I, and some of my friends, I didn't know that it was actually happening because this predates like, you know, the prolification of the, uh, of the interweb where, you know, everything was at your, at your fingertips. But, um, yeah, uh, my friend Renee walked by and said, "Oh yeah, I saw Toad the West Brock. They were playing on CFNY, and I like I lost my mind that uh, that I'd missed that show." And then shortly thereafter, I think by the end of that year, that school year, Toad the West Brock had had split up. <laughs> and to to hear, I think uh, like I, I don't see my friend Renee all that often, but when when we do see each other, and if this topic ever comes up. She says, like, you were heartbroken when you found out that they broke up. She said that she saw tears in my eye because I was so upset because A, I had never seen them them in concert. So this is why 25 years after they had broken up, I'm finally going to see them and have the opportunity to see them. And then also knowing that, well, there's this fantastic band that isn't, is no longer putting out music. And right. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. Like as a sort of sullen man in his early twenties, if you can call my, if I can call myself a man, like just like my, my world was falling apart at that point. It just, uh, just goes to show how small my world was, but. (laughs) Is that a tear in your eye? I see right now. It's, it's streaming down my cheek. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they are back. They've released two albums in the last decade. Yes. And we are going to see them tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm super, super pumped. Yeah, so I really, really hope that we did Toad the Wet Sprocket proud here. Um, I really hope that they actually listen to this and just know that yeah I'm, I'm completely fanboying and and i really do love this band and i love this song um and we hope that you have enjoyed our take on it and you enjoy uh this podcast because somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe